it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you guys say hi to somebody next to you, and Howard's going to come up for us. Good morning, Redeemed Church Fellowship. How are you guys doing this morning? Good, good. We're blessed to have you here. I uh, just want to make a few announcements. Um, again, we're blessed to have you guys here. We do meet up if you do have a heart to serve in this church. Uh, we do meet up here 9 a.m. Uh, every Sunday morning uh, for you guys to uh, pray with us, uh, pray for the church. Uh, we'll be blessed to have you guys come out and join us. Men of Redeemed, every Friday night at 7 o'clock, uh, we do meet up for a men's fellowship. Um, it's such a blessed time. Um, we, I've been coming and doing a couple devotions. It's been such an honor and a blessing in my life. Uh, so we invite all men to come out and join us. Um, we have, we're going through the book of Ephesians. Um, it's a great, great message. We encourage you to come out. We're super excited about this next announcement. Uh, we're going to be starting up a Wednesday night Bible studies here August 4th at 7 p.m. Uh, we ask everyone here to join us. Um, we will not be broadcasting it online, um, so it'll just be a, a small group. So we welcome you to come out and join us and participate. We will be going through the book of Corinthians. If you guys, if this is your home church or if you feel uh, a need to uh, give to the church, uh, we do have several ways of doing that. Um, we do have an agape box in the back there. Um, and if you did not bring any checks or money in this uh, soon coming cashless society, uh, we ask that you can uh, give on through Zelle. It's redeemchurchf at gmail.com. Uh, so if your heart desires you to give, um, there's a couple ways to do it. And a final announcement this morning, if you forgot your Bible or you do not have a Bible, uh, please raise your hand and we can give one for you. Um, we, we go through the Bible here, and we'd love for you to, to go through with us and take notes. We encourage that. Um, so if anybody needs a Bible, just raise your hand, and we can get one for you. Um, if not, we'll go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for everyone here and those watching online. We just ask that you continue to bless this church, continue to bless our Pastor Salvador, and we uh, thank you for everyone for coming. Thank you. Howard. <laughs> uh, thank you for that, Howard. Um, if you guys have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. As we finish up our study of chapter 10, we're going to also venture into chapter 11 today. And uh, I'm going to pray after I read a few of these verses. So if you guys are turned there in Luke's gospel, chapter 10, beginning with verse 38. It says, Now it happened, as they went, that he entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, 
Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Chapter 11. Now it came to pass as he went, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Heavenly Father, just use this time, Father, as we continue in the worship of learning from your word, Lord. I pray, Father, that just for an anointing, Lord. Father, that it would be your words. Lord, God, give us wisdom, discernment from your throne, words of knowledge. Father, correction for conviction in our lives, Father, that we wouldn't leave here the same, Lord. That revival would begin in our hearts and our minds and that it would spread, Lord. That relationship with you, that it would grow. We love you and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let me pull this thing. It's kind of annoying me. There we go. Okay. The title of my study, let me turn there. This morning, Worship and Prayer in a Believer's Life. We've been studying uh, how Jesus has been with his disciples now, and he's been training them and teaching them. And they've been growing and we've been watching all these lessons that he's been giving them. But this morning we have a very important lesson on prayer and worship. I didn't want to title it just prayer and worship because I felt the people online might just think that this morning was just a service of prayer and worship. But no, we need to be trained in prayer and worship. One of the key verses this morning is when the disciples ask Jesus, teach us to pray. See, they had to be taught. I remember one of my earliest memories is my grandfather actually teaching me to pray. My grandfather's a Catholic, but saved. Catholics are Christian, if you guys didn't know that. And he taught me what praying to God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit was. And he taught his son that. And my dad taught me. See, we need to be trained in holiness because as we were learning in our men's study this past Friday, naturally, we're little sinners. We don't need to be trained how to sin. That comes natural. But we do need to be trained in discipleship and in love. So if you have your Bibles and your notebooks this morning, which I want to encourage everyone to, when you come to Redeemed Church, be ready to have points that you can take home with you, that you won't leave the same. So my first point, point number one, is sit at Jesus' feet. It's important. Beginning with verse 38 of Luke chapter 10, it says, Now it happened, as they went, that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. 
And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So here we have the introduction of two women in the Bible that you've probably heard of, Martha and Mary. There are only a few accounts of them in the Bible, and not much is known about their background. But we do know that they were siblings, and Lazarus was their brother also. The village that they lived in was Bethany. We find that out in John's Gospel. And some even believe that Lazarus was the youngest of the three. And that Martha must have had a nice home and she must have been well off to invite Jesus and all of his disciples inside of the home. Now, from verse 39, we see that Mary, she sat at Jesus' feet. This is a phrase signifying that Mary was sitting and devoted to Jesus and his teaching. She was a faithful disciple of Jesus. Do you guys remember later on in the account of of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, what's going to happen to them? Lazarus is going to get really sick. So much so that his sisters are going to fear for his very life. And they're going to tell their servants, hey, go to Jesus and tell Jesus to come for his friend. Lazarus is sick. But Jesus delays in his coming. And Lazarus becomes so sick to the point of death that he passes away. And the disciples are confused. Why, why, why didn't Jesus go? This is someone that Jesus loved. Why didn't Jesus go? And then when Jesus finally does go and he arrives, Lazarus is already dead and buried. In John's gospel, chapter 11, I have some verses uh, on this account out of the New Living Translation. Martha goes to Jesus and Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me, will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. And then later on, Jesus does resurrect Lazarus to show them, look, I am God. I have the power to resurrect. But before Mary And Martha got to that point. Before they got to that test, first Jesus was giving them the lessons. Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet learning. And Martha, she's busy doing service. You see, when Jesus taught Mary and Martha later on about the resurrection, it wasn't just the resurrection that's going to happen in the future, the prophetic one. But you see, now today, God has resurrected our spirits because we were once dead, but God has given us a new life. Notice how Jesus trains his disciples by his teaching and then by giving them literal life tests. See, that kind of scares some of us this morning. We're like, oh man, not the tests. I don't want the test in life. I just want the the theory, the lessons. Give me the academia. But Lord, please don't send the trials. 
You see, we all have schools that we're enrolled in as believers. And God knows exactly what classes each and every one of you need to take. You see, God knows exactly the school of Howard and the kind of trials that Howard needs in order so that he can pass the test that he needs to take. And the same for all of you. Some of us are we're trying to ditch school. We said, God, please, no, I don't want to go to school today. I don't want to learn. I actually once encountered a, a believer who was a friend of mine, has grown since, but I used to be in the middle of prayer, praying with him, and Lord, uh, teach us patience. And he'd go, Lord, not for me. I don't, I don't want the patience because, Lord, I know you're going to send the trial my way. And I used to look at him like, whoa, bro, like <laughs> the trial's going to come either way, but now you're not going to have the patience in it. And he learned. He grew. God wants us to pass the test. And he's going to keep giving you those tests until you pass it. May we also then sit at Jesus' feet as Mary is so we can learn these lessons from Jesus, from his word. Which leads me to point two. Don't get distracted. This morning, don't get distracted. In verse 40, it says, But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. You see, the first thing I notice in this verse is that Martha is distracted. That word distracted, it's to be driven about mentally, to be overoccupied and too busy about a thing to be troubled or distressed. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 35, we're exhorted to serve the Lord without distraction. What is distracting you from the Lord today, I ask us? Is there anything distracting you right now? Is tiredness creeping up on you? Maybe we were out too late last night and need to get a little more rest next time so we can have that clear focus on what God has for us. And I, I, that's a message to myself, just so you guys know. I, I know what long, tired nights are. And I, too, have, have been in great Bible studies where I begin to allow the, the sleepiness to creep up on me. So may we then prepare for that study so that we can hear from God. But maybe it's not sleepiness that's distracting you. Maybe it's sin. The enemy loves to use the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life to pull us away from serving Jesus. Maybe that sin comes from entertainment, movies, music, TV, and sports. You know, it's a good thing to enroll your kids in, in sports, especially when they're good at it. But when then all of a sudden you're like, hey, you know what? We're not going to be going to any church this week because the kids got to do the basketball, the soccer. Mm, what are you training your kid in? That sports is God? Perhaps it's work. We can make an idol out of anything in our life. And for some of us, it is work. Well, you say, well, Salvador, I, I want to be able to provide for my family. It's a good thing. It's our heavenly duty. And amen, I say to you all. But God calls a husband to provide for his family, 
But you want to know what else God calls the husbands to lead in? Uh, spiritual leadership. A husbands, as husbands, we are to be priest, protector, and provider. Priest, giving it to our families, our wives, those spiritual lessons, leadership, and love. Protection in that same manner. Protecting not only from this world, but from Satan. And also provision. We got to work. We're cursed by Adam and Eve, by the sweat of our brows. Now we got to go to work and sweat. But this is our heavenly privilege. Do the people you work for or work with know that you're a Christian? And some, maybe some of you guys are like, well, we're retired, so we don't work anymore. Well, does your family know that you're a believer? Do the programs that you're involved in, do people know that you're a Christian? See, maybe it's even family, though, is becoming an idol in your life. It's possible. Because you say, Salvador, isn't your family your first ministry? Absolutely. Amen. Your family is your first ministry. So you better make sure that, that they're going to church rather than pulling you away from church. How about this one, Christian leaders? Is ministry distracting you from sitting at Jesus' feet? You see, even ministry can distract you from sitting at Jesus' feet. You get so busy with, oh, well, we got to get the lights going. We got to make sure the sound's right. We got to make sure the, the food is there for the people and all these different things that we're forgetting. Our first and foremost duty is to sit at Jesus' feet. You see, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, gives us an encouragement. In Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, we, right now we're seeing all these Olympians and they're running their races. They're, they're swimming across the pool and it's like, man, how much harder and they would for sure would lose if they had put more weight upon themselves, if they put on those, those bags that carry them. Paul, or whoever the Hebrew author is, is saying, look, throw aside those weights of sin that ensnare us. You see, Mary, sitting at Jesus' feet, is now becoming a, something that's making Martha jealous. Where Martha is, she's busy serving and she's looking at her sister Mary and she's jealous of the position that Mary has at Jesus' feet. And Martha is so distracted and focused on serving that she's like, man, Jesus, do something. And oftentimes even we, we see that in our family households. When one of us is working really hard, the other one's like, why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you doing what I'm doing? We see that in our spiritual family, in our families at home. But may we be like Mary, always making sure that Jesus is first in our life. Point three, concerning those who are so distracted. Point three, Jesus cares about you. Again, we read, but Martha was distracted with much serving. 
And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. You see, in other versions, it states that Martha came to him standing. And notice Martha doesn't speak to Mary directly. But thinking that Jesus is going to judge Mary to be lazy and that it would speak up for her. She goes to Jesus and she's like, look at, look at Mary. She's not doing anything. Sometimes in ministry, I've seen people get like this. I've even been like this. I'm guilty before you guys. Where we're like, Lord, you see me working here. Well, tell them to work too. We, we need to be careful not to judge others in their time of waiting at Jesus' feet. You know, sometimes you'll see even a, a brother or a sister in the Lord who's maybe, they're believers, but they're not yet jumped involved in ministry yet. Well, maybe they're right now getting prepared and trained, getting ready for what that next step in life. So we have to just be discerning and careful and judging others. Martha is not so concerned about Mary as much as she is really concerned that she is alone in the work. She sees the food needs to be prepared and the table set properly, that the house needs to be kept clean, and she's overwhelmed. Perhaps we feel like that at work or at home or maybe even in school, in our projects. We feel all alone and that God does not care sometimes that we're alone. You see, there is a loneliness in the life of a believer. And it's one which God calls us to. There's a sanctified loneliness in our life. Remember, even Jesus went through times of loneliness in his life. And we read about how often he would go alone and that he would press into his relationship with the Father in those times. When he was there in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood, you think he wasn't afraid of the pain? He endured the pain and the shame of the, of the sin that was going to come upon him. And there was no one who could understand that like the father. Or how about this? When Jesus was on the cross, his father forsook him so that you and I can have a relationship with the father. Jesus experienced loneliness. And he was called to it. And what makes us think that we're not going to experience that? So what do we do in there? Well, I want to encourage you guys this morning, believers and Christians, God cares about your loneliness. God cares about your service, about your worship, because God cares about you. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, the verse says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And again in Luke 12, verse 7, But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear. See, God cares about the little details in your life. And if you don't have hair on your head, God knows the other hairs. In Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, 
to give you a future and a hope. See how much God cares and thinks about us? He loves us so much, he has a plan for our life. You see, God cares when we're in those seasons of loneliness. So rejoice, knowing that God has a plan for it, that he's using it to do something much greater than we ourselves can do. Which brings me to my next point, point four. Don't worry. In verse 41, we read, And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Jesus has to call Martha's name twice, we notice, to get her attention. Whenever somebody says your name twice, you know they're like, they want to say something serious to you. You're like, okay, I'm listening. And Martha's worried about troubles, anxieties, the stresses of life. This is what something we all struggle with. Even we, we as believers can even become depressed still when we allow worry to take over our hearts and our minds. And I realize that our mind, it's the battlefield of emotion. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, verses 27 through 34, Jesus talks about worrying. Jesus says, Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And what I love that verse. The, Seek first the kingdom of, of God. That's out of the New King James Version. And all these things are going to be added unto you. The things that God desires for you, that you are now as a believer walking in. He's going to bring those about. You know, sometimes I, I trip out on this idea that in our waiting, we feel like we don't have these things in life sometimes. When we think about all, we get distracted with what we want and we don't have, and we get distracted with what those things that we have in our life that we don't want. And yet God is working all these, these things out, so he's taking us to a new season and a new place. And sometimes we get so frustrated in, in the waiting and yet, if you look at your life today and you think about yourself maybe earlier up the road, five years ago, the things you struggled with then that God has delivered you from, the things that God has brought to your life. For me personally, being single for, for some time and then God bringing my wife to me, finally, it's like, wow, like, that's, that's not the struggle anymore. 
But in that time, that season of, of waiting, I was like, man, Lord, what are you doing? It's been four years. I've been single. I'm just, I'm ready, God. I'm ready. And yet, that's not my same prayer anymore. And I don't have that anymore. But in, back then, it was such a big deal. You see, that trips me out that God just brings things into our life and then it makes me feel like I need to be more appreciative of them. Like, wow, like that was a really big trial and God's delivered me from it. May I be appreciative of where God has me in life and the things that he's brought now today. You see, instead of having worry, fill it with seeking Jesus, his peace, his love, his joy, faith in him, worship. Point five. Having a heart of worship. We read in verse 42, it says, But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. One thing. And what was Mary doing? She's sitting at Jesus' feet in a position of worship, a place of listening to Jesus' voice. And notice Jesus said that this is what was needed. Not simply that it was a good thing or a desirable thing, but that it's absolutely necessary that we sit at Jesus' feet. Mary was right in choosing to sit at Jesus' feet. And Jesus would not take that position away from her. You see, worship in the original Greek, it means to kneel or to fall prostrate, which prostrate means when you fall uh, upon your knees and so that your, your forehead touches the ground to do honor and to express respect to one. This is literally bowing down. And we are allowed to do that in worship, in our service. This is the heart of worship. Earlier we sang that song, The Heart of Worship, and perhaps you've never heard of the backstory of how that song was written. The song written by Matt Redman, it dates back to the late 1990s from a period of apathy within Matt Redman's home church in Watford, England. Now, Matt Redman, his congregation, they were struggling to find meaning in its musical outpouring at the time. So Matt says that there was a dynamic missing in their worship service. So the pastor decided to get rid of the sound system and even for the band to get rid of them for a season. And they would gather together with just their voices. And his point was that they had lost their way in worship. And the way to get back to the heart would be to strip everything away. Reminding his church family to be producers in worship, not just consumers. The pastor, Mike, asked, When you come through the doors on Sunday... What are you bringing as your offering to God? And Matt Redman, he remembers writing the song quickly in his bedroom soon after the church's journey began. And before long, they reintroduced the mus musicians and the sound system and they'd gained a new perspective that worship is all about Jesus. And he commands a response in the depths of our soul, no matter what the circumstance or setting so may we go back to that heart of worship. 
you know, I want to encourage you guys, you know, during worship, it, it's okay to, to, to praise the Lord, to, to lift up your voice, to raise your hands. That's fine and dandy with me. I love that. Point six, how to pray. We have now in chapter 11 here the model prayer. Let's begin with verse one. It says, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now here we see Jesus praying again and the prayer life of Jesus is exemplified many times in the Bible. He got away to pray. And what a beautiful request is made to Jesus. The disciples, they didn't ask Jesus, Lord, teach us to preach. They didn't ask Jesus, Lord, teach us to do miracles or teach us to lead. They asked us, they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. Apparently, John the Baptist also taught his disciples the same thing. And in the next few verses, we're given the model prayer. Now, as we were reading those verses, at, when we got to verse 2, when he started to say, Our Heavenly Father in heaven, I even felt a little bit like almost it was a little repetitious. And it, it's tragic that when people, they often repeat this prayer, it's in, in, a, in a form of vain repetition, which Jesus said not to do. Don't repeat it in vain repetition. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, Jesus exhorted people. He said, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Now, if you meditate on this prayer and on these verses, I believe you can pray it in a meaningful way. However, I think Jesus here, he wants us to see the model of prayer rather than simply repeating the words of the prayer that he gave. And we are to pray. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 and 18, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That means pray whenever. You know, I was blessed on, on one of the, the men's studies we had here. We had a, one of our brothers who is still growing in the Lord right now. As I was talking about prayer, he asked me a question right in the middle of the Bible study, and it was appropriate. He said, wait, wait, are you telling me that you can just talk to God and pray? You don't have to ask him for things? You can li literally talk to him about anything? And I was like, yes, amen, brother. Absolutely, you can pray like that. See, praying without ceasing it doesn't mean that we have to lock ourselves in our closet 24-7 and we never go out to the world. Praying without ceasing is you are literally walking about your street, your day, your workplace, and asking God, God, what do I do in this situation? Hey, Jesus, who is this guy walking in this room right now? Lord, thank you for this taco. It's so good. Praying without ceasing where you are inviting God through the Holy Spirit to be with you in every moment. We get to pray to our heavenly dad, which brings us to point seven. Pray to your heavenly dad. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our father in heaven. Notice Jesus starts off his prayer 
with the basis of his relationship, calling God Father. Now back then for the Jews, this would have been groundbreaking because to them, it was too intimate to call God something like Father. That was too intimate for them. And there's not even evidence that suggests that anyone used the term Father for God before Jesus. But he is the Father, and we are his children. Next week, we're going to look at the parable in which Jesus explains that if a person is, is baking at, at night and they need sugar and they go to their neighbor and they're knocking on the door and the neighbor's not answering, if the, that neighbor keeps knocking on the door, eventually the neighbor's going to get up, what do you want? He's like, do you have sugar? I need to make some bread. He's like, yeah, here, take it. And Jesus uses that as an illustration. Look, if someone who doesn't even want to get up will get up and answer that, that prayer that someone has, how much more so your heavenly Father who loves you so much. See, God desires to answer those prayers. Point eight, pray for his will. Again, we read in verse two. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, God's name is holy. It's hallowed. That's what the word hallowed means. It means reverend. And the literal name of God, you know, it's, it's actually a, a mystery. Back then, the Jews, when they would write God's name, they, they wouldn't write a name because they felt it was so holy. So they would write YHVH, which then got turned into JHVH, which we later turned it into Jehovah. But every time they came to the name of God, they would just write YHVH. And the original scribes, and when they were copying the Old Testament, felt it was so holy that they had this ritual of taking a ceremonial bath and even changing the pen whenever they got to that part where they're going to write YHVH because God's name is holy. Now notice in this prayer that it's not focused on self, but it's putting God's name first. He's saying your kingdom come. God's kingdom is present among us in our lives and the lives of his children. And one day it's going to be a literal kingdom on the new earth. And then the focus then goes on God's will over our will. When we start our prayers off by asking our Father that his will would be done, it helps us to pray for those things we know he desires. We don't come in like, all right, Lord Jesus, help me get this lotto ticket, give me the winning lotto numbers, and things are going to be good. No. We say, Lord, your will be done first and foremost. Point nine, pray for needs. In verse three, he says, give us day by day our daily bread. See, Jesus prays for their life needs. We all have needs. We need provision, food, health. Even King David would ask his father, he would say to God, Lord, don't give me so little that I'm tempted to steal and don't give me so much that I forget you. In verse four, it says, and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
See, God desires us to ask for these things in our life because he wants us to have that relationship with him. You see, it's, it's not that he doesn't know that we need him. It's he wants us to interact with him. He loves us. And he says that we would ask for forgiveness of our sins. Forgiveness is our greatest need. Notice that there, there's a, 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 a progression here in the way Jesus is praying. First, he's praying for the present needs, the daily bread. And then he even asks for the things that are done in the past, the sins. Would you forgive me for my past things? And then he's even praying for the future, things to come. We have past, present, and future things that we can pray for. The idea of God not leading us into temptation is that he would not let it have power over us. See, asking God to give us victory in our trials, in our struggles, and in our vices, this is good. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to do this, to deliver us from Satan. This past Friday, uh, I'll give you guys a sneak peek of what we as the men we jump into and study. We learned about Satan a little bit more. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul was writing, he said, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. You see, the world follows Satan. And Jesus is asking, he's encouraging us to pray against that kingdom. Did you guys see the latest Converse uh, advertisement? They're, they're advertising the pentagram in their, in their advertisement now and saying that it's inclusive of, of all types of new desires and being open to any type of sensual experience. And they want to make it sound all-inclusive. Like, they, oh yeah, I see the pentagram represents that we don't need to be so harsh on, on people who, who are different than us. And this is the, the way that the world's going. They're calling good evil and evil good. See, the world follows Satan. He's the prince of the power of the air, referring to that spiritual world. The demons that Satan has control over, they're flying about, just wanting to pull us away from God's will in our life. That's why Satan is known as Beelzebub, the lord of the flies. And Satan works in the lives of the wicked people around us. If I, I want to encourage you guys. There's a really good book on, on Satan. and It's called The Strategy of Satan. Just be careful if somebody sees you with it. Explain to them you're not a Satanist. But it talks about how Satan is a destroyer, a deceiver. He's a ruler. And he's also the accuser. And he goes in depth on, on each of those attributes of who Satan is and how we as believers have so much more of a powerful force in our life. That's God. The one true living God who gives us strength to overcome the evil one. And I can't wait for that day to come when Satan is done away with. Because the Bible teaches us that one day we're actually going to look upon Satan and we're going to be like, this is the guy? This, this is the one who like caused all the ruckus on earth? And we're going to be amazed of what a weak and fragile thing he is. In Isaiah chapter 14, verse 16, to prove my point, 
Isaiah says, those who see you, speaking of Satan, those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble? Who shook kingdoms? See, we're going to look at, at, at that enemy and realize, man, he has no power anymore. And I can't wait for that day when we as believers get to pray for God's kingdom to come not only in the future, but in our lives today. That we can pray that God would give us power, the power of the Holy Spirit to dynamically change our life. And in order to do this, we must first die to ourselves. This morning, we're going to have communion. This morning, we're going to ask that Jesus would be our Lord and our Savior, that the Holy Spirit would empower us to remember what Jesus did on the cross for us, that it would change our lives. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to do a song of worship. And during that song, if you feel you, you need to make yourself right with the Lord, not make yourself, but you need to get right with God. If that's you this morning, I'm going to sing a song. I just want you to stand to your feet in faith so that you can be in fellowship Communion, right on with God. If there's sins in your life you need to be rid of. If there's something that's been distracting you from sitting at Jesus' feet. This is an opportune time for you to get right with God. And maybe you are already a, a believer here this morning. But before you take communion, you just want to make sure that you're right with the Lord. If that's you, as, as I'm playing this song of worship, just stand this morning. Father, we pray and ask, Lord, that you would come into our hearts, Lord. 
that we would make our life all about you, Lord. Father, that we would just lay aside the distractions, Lord, the sins. May your Holy Spirit empower us to do so, Father. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, I'm going to do one more song. And as I'm singing the song, as you feel led, there's communion in the back table. Go ahead and grab the communion and go back to your seat. And just wait, we're all going to take communion together. from 1 Corinthians where Paul speaks on how the Lord taught him how to have communion. You guys want to get your bread ready? In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 through 34, actually verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup, the new covenant in my blood. And this do often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So let's partake of the cup. I want to invite you guys actually this morning. I want to sing that song from the beginning, uh, The Heart of Worship. Uh, if, if you guys want to come forward uh, this morning and, uh, and you feel you want to get down just before the Lord, if you want to literally bow down before God this morning, I want to open that up to you guys this morning. If you want to just get alone and, and focus on the Lord for a moment, we're just going to do this song before we go. If you guys feel better that it's how it helps you to focus when you sit, when you bow your head, do that. But I want to play that song again. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's a word That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus of endless words no one could express how much you deserve though I'm weak and poor Lord all I have is yours every single breath I'll bring you more than song for a song in itself is not what you have required 
You search much deeper within Through the way things are You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it When it's all about you it's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. You're looking into my heart, into my heart. It's all about you, Jesus. You're looking into my heart, into my heart. It's all about you, Jesus. I'll bring you more than a song. I'll bring you more than a song. It's all about you, Jesus. I'll bring you more than a song. I'll bring you more than a song. It's all about you, Jesus. Father, bless your people. Go before them, Lord God, this week. A new season, Lord God. New trials, Father. We ask, Lord, that you would meet us. Provide for our needs, Lord. May your kingdom come, Father. May your will be done over all others. Lord God, we look forward to your salvation, your joy, your hope, your heavenly kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Well, be blessed. We'll see you guys Wednesday night.